0: Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast, and welcome back to myself, I guess. Um, We're doing our second podcast of of 2024. We are going to review the Champions Cup and Challenge Cup, the fourth and the last weekend of the group stages. We've got the the teams, the 16 teams in each competition that are qualified for the next round. We'll talk through those. Um, We'll preview those a little bit as well, but we'll just review the matches that happened this weekend. And a pretty successful weekend, all things considered, for South Africa, because five of the teams that entered the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup have all qualified for the knockout stages. So that's pretty good. We'll talk the Stormers and the Bulls wins. We'll talk the Sharks getting one over in Wales. We'll talk narrow losses for the Lions and the Cheetahs and talk about all the other great rugby that happened this weekend. I'm with Sean this week. And yeah, we're going to go through the rugby. Sean, I think the first thing, and I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot because we didn't really discuss this just before we podded. But um, we did want to, maybe we can still do it this week, we did want to talk about like a first phase of Lucerie rees uh talking about the Luis rees of him moving to the NFL and which other players might be good um, NFL recruits. But yeah, I just want to hear what your thoughts are about Luis rees uh, making the change.
1: I think it's wild. Um, I, but I love it. I, I saw such an, it was such a nice exchange with Louis rees and I think it was uh, any good on Twitter where Good was saying, What's why is everyone so negative towards this move? And Louis Samet replied with, Yeah, he doesn't understand why everyone's so negative about it. Like can't he just live his dreams. But doing a little bit further, sort of sort of deep dive into it, his dad played American football. I think he played it in Europe, but he played it. Mm. So Louis Samet's grown up in a household where that was the sport. And his dad never played rugby. He, he played, uh, Louis Hammond played rugby. So that's obviously been his dream and it's obviously what he, what he wants. And I think it's flipping epic. I think the negativity around it probably comes from the Welsh fans and, and the people like they just have the shits because he's not there for them. Mm. Because like, if you're honest, it's going to be hard to replace him. Um, he probably is not as mean as everyone thought he would be, but he's definitely like in the top part of wingers out there, especially in Wales. So I just think people are just a little like pissed that he's not in their team to help them win kind of thing. So, but yeah, yeah, half an hour notice to Gats is wild. Um, (laughs) Very interesting. Um, I forget the guy's name. Uh, He's got a double barrel uh, surname. He's playing, I think he's playing for Exeter. He's just been named in the England squad. He was Uh, Welsh qualified. Yeah, he's Welsh qualified. And they asked about they asked Gatlin about him and he said he hadn't really chatted to him or anything. And then everyone had a go at Gatlin about not speaking to this guy that's probably like a talent and he's gone to England, uh, he's been drafted into England. I'm pretty sure if Gatlin knew that um, he was going to miss out on Louis Samuels, he would have chatted to him, probably a little sooner and a little bit more aggressively. But then again, maybe that was just his decision to go to England no matter what, so... Interesting move all around. Uh, I feel sorry for Gats, but I'm super happy for Louis Sammons, and I hope he dominates. I mean, he's a big kid.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's a very tough thing to break into. We saw Christian Wade; he went all the way into a practice squad. He played, I think, a few games in like the NFL preseasons for the for my Buffalo Bills, who lost on this morning, and I'm still a bit <laughs> heartbroken about that. Um, so, <laughs> so basically, the, the NFL
1: version of the Sharks. <sighs>
0: They're the NFL version of, I guess... No, Leinster's too rich. Uh, who's who's a team that always gets their... Oh, you know what? They're an NFL version of... Um, of, like, racing. Like... I got, got always, you. <laughs> every time we go, this year's going to be their year. You don't necessarily have all the superstars and all that sort of stuff. But they always just fall at the last hurdle, pretty much, or last few hurdles. But, yeah, so... Christian Wade did pretty well to go in in all the way, well as far as possible. He still didn't make it into like an NFL 53, which just shows how how um, difficult it is for like a player that hasn't really played in, uh, like American football since the you know since he was in high school. But with Reizamen, I mean, he's he's taller, of course, so he can you know play maybe different positions than what Wade could do. He's very fast. Like there's. Um, what are the stats was going around? Four
1: years younger, I think. Um, when Wade went, I think Wade was a four years older than um, mm. than Louis Samet at the time.
0: Yeah, and there was a stat going around that there's um, an NFL receiver, Tyke Hill. He's pretty much the best receiver in the NFL right now. His top speed this season is lower than Louis Zamet's top speed. So obviously that's not everything, but that's a decent something for for him. So you know, but NFL, I think he has. NFL is about
1: a, the 40, 40 meters, eh? It's yeah. not about uh, speed's big, but I think it's more. It's that's not their their key measurement. Mm.
0: And it's about just having that ability to pretty much beat someone, off a standing start, obviously, to yeah. get through the routes and get ahead of like the defense. So he has a. I don't. I mean, it's going to be very difficult. I think it's 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 not, it's it's probably going to be even more difficult for him to break into the NFL than. Doing most of the things he's done in rugby because that's come kind of pretty easy for him. But you know, if he can do it, that's going to be awesome for him. And we've seen from like he had that documentary with the BBC, and he seems to be someone that wants to do things differently. Like he's talked about, he wants to live in Monaco. He, I think, he sees himself as almost like a Gen Z rugby slash American football David Beckham, and you know, that's cool for him. So all the best to him. I mean, Wales, you know, I don't think. They can, you know, the, the bad news in terms of players available just keeps hitting them. But I think it's, we'll talk about the Six Nations squads um, in a pod next week. But I do think it's maybe a good chance, and I think that's what Gatlin's done with the squad, is to go, okay, we're actually going to do a, almost a full restart. You know, we don't have, you know, obviously all the old guys from the 2010s, even some of the guys in their, their late 20s, early 30s aren't available this, in the Six Nations. David Jenkins is, what, like 21 and he's the captain. Let's just start with a new crop of players and let's grow them for the next few years. So I, I actually don't mind that. And, I mean, Reese Amit is a youngster himself, but, and he's got 30-odd caps, test caps. But, yeah, I think it's a good thing to try and start almost from scratch with, with the young team. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, Reese Amit can still be back in right, then you'll still be, what, 25, 26? So, you know, there, there's nothing ventured, nothing gained in this type of situation.
1: That's, I think that's the key thing. Well, he's young enough and so is, is Mark Nawanaka-Tawasi. Nowak- Yo, I hope mm-hmm. we, we can get rid of that because I food that horribly. But <laughs> that, that, yeah, sorry, I apologize. But both of them, exceptionally talented and barring injury, will will definitely make the, the Australian and Welsh squads when they come back. And I think that's, that's what's so awesome about it is... They, they have that safety net that they can come back to union. And people are going to say what they want to say. It doesn't really matter. But they have the safety net of coming back to union if they are still um, uh, borrowing barring a fitness issue, which we hope won't happen. So I think it's great. It's great for them. It allows you to give everything to it as well. Um, you know how you, you, you perform when, when there are no worries and how you perform when there are worries. They're two totally different ways of, of, of performing on the field. So I think, it's, I think it's great. I think it's an awesome time for him to do it, and I'm glad he got the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I, let's, yeah let's, let's see how he goes. And yeah, all the best to him. I think it's Harry Malinder. Um He also played yes. a bit of rugby, I think, in junior rugby. He's going as a kicker.
1: Bill's he went, played kick for kick England under-20s. 20s. He was here when, when the under-20s was in South Africa, and I played for yeah. Saints for a little bit. I can't remember what happened to him afterwards. I really thought yeah. he would do better in Union. I really did think. Mm. But anyway.
0: No, yeah, I think there's a few of them that come through it. And, you know, hopefully, I mean, it's uh, I think the strike rate is that one or two make a practice squad. So all the best to them. They'll definitely need it. And, you know, I think watching the American football, though, obviously, it's a very different type of game for rugby. But, like, the fast twitch muscles that you need because you're only on the field for half the time and all that sort of stuff, like, it's going to be a big adjustment to what they do in Union. So good luck to them. Sean, let's go into the rugby this weekend. We had Champions Cup. We sorted out all the groups, and we were basically all the groups wanted to sort out their top fours to see who's going to qualify for the last 16, and then to sort out who they're going to play in the last 16. So let's start with um the Bulls, who played Bordeaux on a baking Saturday afternoon and won a high scoring game, 46 points to 40. So Sean, I've only watched the highlights of this game. And in the highlights, it just seemed like both teams had it was like a, a, a contact, a live contact version of practicing all their um, uh, tap penalty moves. Like it just seemed like, you know, Bordeaux had a few, the Bulls obviously we know they're pretty much the experts in that. Everyone had a, a quick tap penalty move to practice there.
1: Yeah, it. Oh, I wasn't happy with the way the Bulls played. Um, the Bulls scored a lot, they didn't defend a lot. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure that the coaches are going to, Be a little bit. uh, It'll be a case of uh, bring your running shoes to training on Monday. Don't bother about your boots. Um. Yeah. It the bulls looked like they were going to pull away, and then, and you know what? If I just my gut feel and just watching what happened and how it unraveled, I almost feel like the bulls were were like, cool. We'll just do what we do, and Bordeaux are not going to be able to cope in the last twenty. And it was the opposite. Um, the Bordeaux were blown away a little bit in the beginning and managed to fight back. And then we're in it the whole way. Um, but yeah, great. I mean, 86 points, very nice for the fans. But I think the Bulls will probably be a lot more disappointed by that. If you had to look at a winner and loser of that Bordeaux, probably the winner in, in that game points aside, just purely because of the way they performed and how they, they, they stuck it to the Bulls at Loftus. Um, and Bordeaux, there are a couple of French or well, three French sides that are really putting up their hand for the, for the Champions Cup. I mean, Bordeaux, who have been flying under the radar until last week where they dominated Saracens, have come through um, to Pretoria and done that. Now everyone's sitting up and taking notice. It's been been crazy.
0: Yeah, I think this is a big credit to Bordeaux, like them getting close. And It's not like the Bulls went 46-0 and then Bordeaux just scored a few tries at the end. It was, I mean, the Bulls had a 20-point lead at some point, but and. But Bordeaux came back well within the last like 30, 20 minutes of the game. So that that was a great credit for them. They both teams didn't really have their first, like all their first choice players out there, but you know, enough for it to be um competitive. But the likes of remember Boros had a good game, Madosh Tamwe looked good um coming back to to Loftus as well. Their forwards, I think, got their breath back, but I think the main thing to, you know, there's there's a few teams, I mean, the Stormers are obviously similar and probably a lot better with their home advantage, but there's very few teams that can stick with the Bulls at Loftus on a Saturday afternoon in, in the summer. And, you know, I think the Bulls play almost the perfect game to, you know, to, 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 to take the game away from a team. Like they did the same thing with Saracens where they just almost start out the blocks very quickly they are running as much as possible they keep the ball in hand they're trying to really just make you tackle 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 and get tired but it almost like it seems like uh, and I want to hear you what your thoughts are Sean and more it almost seems like it has the opposite effect on the balls because in the Saracens game we talked about the same thing where Bulls got themselves to a big lead and then Saracens the last 30 or so minutes came back and made the scoreline a bit more respectable and Bordeaux did this to the point where they could have actually snuck this game at the end. So I wonder if maybe this is something that they have to look at for you know their future games at Loftus against like the best of the best teams. Like they can't really you know spend all their bullets because it seems like maybe they're the ones getting tired at the end. Or uh, Sean, I don't know how you think or, or what you think is the reason why that it happened in these last two games.
1: It's a it's a mindset thing for me. I don't believe there's any reason why the bulls should have taken their foot off the pedal other than that they they probably figured the game was over it's weird saying this about like pros but they really were i mean it's you can look at it one of two ways like did bordeaux then wake up and push back hard enough but i think the bulls could have could have really knuckled down and and made the game a comfortable win Um, to answer your question south africans i believe have that kind of that kind of a negative mindset in terms of rugby we very seldom really put people to the sword very seldom if you if you ever slip up against against the all blacks and now against france you will get dominated they don't take the foot off the pedal they finish the game and then they'll have a beer and i feel that the south african sides and we when last did we have a side that just dominated, dominated poor opposition, Must the Bulls when they won super rugby um, but w- we haven't had sides that have dominated, if you look at all the South African sides that have been playing in Europe like there's often, you can look at every game this season where they've they've had something and then they've fallen off at the end that can't be a collective fitness issue, it's got to be something else um, so yeah, I really do feel the Bulls will be, will, will have the shits about this, they're not going to be happy about how, how that game finished. Um, it could have been 46 20. It could have been 56 20. Like they could really have done better. What I will say about Bordeaux and Madosh Tambwe is I really thought whenever they gave him the ball in space, he did something. And they only started doing that in the second half. <laughs> um, he had a little bit of work to do in the first half and then they really came alive in the second half and it was unexpected. And I I think they just got to look in and they, they're like the professionalism kicked in better in terms of how they were going to focus and where they needed to pick off the Bulls and stuff like that. So yeah, I was a bit bummed they didn't give Tambway a little bit more ball, but it was a great game. I, I thoroughly in, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, for me, the Bulls, uh, Vili um David Creel, and Ambrose Papier, mm-hmm. I thought uh, specifically out of the backs, but out of the whole side, they really, really did well. Um, they are incredible. Vili in some ridiculous form at the moment
0: sure no just even seeing the tries that the ball scored and and larue's role in either scoring them or creating them like yeah i am a very happy Bulls fan that larue is playing in light blue for 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 the season like he's just adds such a dimension to the attack and i think it helps course a lot and actually even playing david creel you have three you know, playmaking type players in the back line. And I think it does, it, it, it does um, release, you know, the players that are outside of them. I mean, even when in, in the team this weekend, Semte Clack was in this back line too. So you have a lot of chefs that can help with cooking this meal. Um, also shout out to the loose trio um, from what I saw on social media. Obviously a big bondstorming performance from Marcel Coutier, scoring two tries in the first 20 minutes. Tolubilo Gulbkumere is getting more and more fans, I think, every week. So that's great. Cameron Hanukom. Yeah, he, he, we, we all know what he's about now by now as well. So it, it is a team that's that's coming together. And, you know, they forced Bordeaux into a lot of mistakes. You know Bordeaux had like 15 or 16 penalties they conceded. They missed a ton of tackles um, and had to make a lot of tackles. So, you know, I think it's obviously very strong and very positive result against... A Bordeaux team that I would say is maybe in the top four or five teams in the competition this season so far. So, yeah, I think. Easily.
1: Yeah, Easily. I, I, Leinster. On the
0: balance, I think the Bulls would be pretty happy, even though I, I hear what you're saying, Sean. Obviously, just that losing of concentration making this game unnecessarily tight. I do think they should be pretty happy with this performance and pretty much how the group stages went because they got second in the log. They were still able to rotate and expose some players they've mm. got a home um, last 16 game pretty likely have a home quarterfinal as well so or there's a decent chance of that happening as well so that's a pretty good result
1: yeah i was a bit I'm a bit harsh on the bulls but that was my gut feel and what i saw happening in terms of how they played but the bottom line is is they still won the game um they've still got a home playoff and they're still in the competition so they're definitely going to be taking a lot of good out of what has happened like they didn't play well or they didn't finish off the game, but they got all the good stuff out of it. So that's a great learning curve. And I'm pretty sure that Jake White and the rest of, uh, of the coaches are going to are, are gonna get them set and ready for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I think obviously we've talked about it and you, you, um, Cooks and Sean covered it last week about the Bulls' exploits over December as well. In a good place with um, the URC and in the Champions Cup, the only team that they just fear <laughs> is the Stormers at the moment. So... At least in terms of how the last sixteen bracket looks like, they only have to face the Stormers in the semi final if they if both of them go that far. Speaking of the Stormers, they won in Paris um, against Stade uh, France, uh, winning their game twenty four points to twenty. Sean, I think I'll, I'll I'll let you just talk through the game and what impressed you uh, from the Stormers. Um, yeah, I mean, I sort of just looking at the team sheets, I didn't have a chance to watch the game yet, but looking at the team sheets, I, I was like, oh, okay, the Storms are going a bit stronger than I thought they would. Uh, Stud obviously is pretty much given up on the competition. It is a bit close or closer than I thought it would be. Um, is that because the Storms did something bad or is that just maybe Stud being or like just it being an away game and Stud maybe just picking up their performance? Yeah, what happened in this game?
1: yeah um the stormers should definitely have done better uh there's no doubt about it in in my mind um it it was i mean they've gone and it's there's snow everywhere it's like flipping cold so they've got a they've got a, a bit of a change to do there but the french sides are are always good at home that's their bread and butter um you can do anything in the top 14 in the pro d2 but if if you win your home games that's that's the only thing that matters you know so, yeah, it was that we was, were going to put up a fight. I didn't expect them to put up as much of a fight as they did. Um, yeah, I, I thought the Stormers' backs were, were good and bad altogether. Rory Cockett was incredible. Um, I was having a chat. You know, he's, he's, a, he's an incredible player. He's, that's what people don't realize about him. Rory Cockett is a top class player, he executes a lot very, very well. But on top of that, he's got the Chirps, he's got the niggle, he's got everything else that everyone hates about him. And I mean, we've seen him single handedly win a playoff game for Castre to and then go on to win, uh, win the top 14 because that's mm. just how he is. But he gets so much in your head and you hate him so much that you forget that he actually does is talented. So yeah, he, he, had, a, he had a pretty good game. I thought the, the Storm is packed it really well. Um, but Dion Fourie, excellent. Ruben van Heerden, also excellent. KK Morabe, brilliant. But the thing for me is the Stormers should really have done better. And it's... <laughs> so the Stormers were dominating at scrum time. There was a yellow card and another yellow card and the Stormers had, were playing against 12. That's essentially what happened. So Tal, I don't know if you remember, but I, I shit the bed when Ireland were playing New Zealand and New yeah. Zealand and there was a yellow card and they didn't ask for a scrum because they would have been forced yeah. to go down a man. Well, Dion Ferri, and uh, Luke Pierce um, chatted about it and got on top of it and Dion Farid called for a scrum. So essentially, <laughs> due to two yellow cards, Stade Francais had to lose an additional man because it went to uncontested scrums. Mm. Stormers were playing against 12 men and still didn't score, like straight away. They, oh, it, it freaked me out. Like, that's, this is the thing I talk about South African teams is at that point there you need to absolutely stick to your basics you go draw your man you pass you've got three extra players like it's ridiculous there's no ways that you can't like you can't score and the stormers had a five meter attacking scrum and didn't and didn't score off that they scored eventually but i mean that's just that's just what what did my head in um but yeah that game should have been put to bed a long time ago and the stormers have let a side in another french side in with a chance to win it um but go away from home win a game and uh you go home and you take the points and you've got a home uh home knockout game that's all good eh?
0: yeah look i'm just checking the stats from this game Stud um conceded 18 penalties that you talked about the two yellow cards that they had
1: 23 of them were scrum penalties (laughs) (laughs) please Yeah, nah, it wasn't that but bad. I
0: mean, if you look at all the attacking stats, I mean, similar meters, similar defenders beaten, gain line carries were similar. It seemed like, I mean, Stormers had almost 40 more passes than Stud, so maybe Stud, I don't know, where they're playing a bit narrow and the Stormers are trying to spread it a bit too much. I'm not sure, but yeah, like, if you look at just the stats and like you said, and like other people have said, you have a a dominant scrum, you have a, a point twelve against fifteen. Yeah, I think you should have that game sewn up. So yeah, I think there's just an execution thing that the stormers just have 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 lacked. So I I just looking at that at the time in the attack, were they just trying to force it to uh, force it wide too early? Was that the yeah.
1: issue? Yeah, it was yeah, it was some crazy passes. There was a little bit of a of a of a shit show happening um Luke Pierce initially um told so told Stud they had to lose a player and then they a prop went off, which is not allowed. You have to keep your prop on. Um mm. so they he was then told by his um his colleagues that Stud did have 12 players on the field. The stormers ran a phase and then were turned over or knocked the ball on. That's right. They knocked the ball on. Then it was found out that they had 13 players on the field. So they went back and it was a penalty for another one. So yeah. But it was very much a case of they were scrambling there was scrambling they had i can't even remember how long it must have been about five or six minutes that they 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 had twelve players they were up against yeah. twelve players, and um, they should have done a little bit better um it was yeah oh man, they only scored one try in, in during that period, so for me that's a fourteen point minimum kind of a space you can't yeah. but stud were masters at disrupting slowing down doing everything and that's mm-hmm. where we and a lot of youngsters played and a lot of like not necessarily the, the first choice side but there was a strong side but they'll learn from that or they have to learn from it because you've got to be you got to be putting sides to bed big time when it happens or something like that and the stormers have a strong scrum historically and historically is probably not the right word this season last season they're doing well so they, they should be prepared for stuff like this
0: yeah, I'm just looking at the. You've mentioned some of the players that formed well: Dionfray, Ruben van Heerden. Just continuing, <laughs> the stocks are just continually rising. I think um, at the Stormers, he's just been such a key player, especially without um, and Murat um in the team um, this season so far. Um, there are some players that you know aren't regulars. I just want to hear what you're. If there's maybe a play or two that stuck out there, the likes of. Andre Smith doesn't necessarily play week in week out at lock. Billy Engelbrecht and Kiki Morabe have become players that come in and out at at at, at loose forward sometimes. Um, Angelo Davis doesn't play as often um, on wing anymore. Dan Duplessis isn't obviously he's a first choice player, but he's been coming back from injury. Um, from those in that group of players, anyone that um, that impressed you that played really well in this game?
1: Yeah, Andre Smith was very handy, and Billy Engelbrecht like i know he's on the fringes but i mean he's been there for a few seasons you know what you're getting you're getting out of him yeah. um so yeah it was it was it was interesting um i thought dan dan was okay not great but the backline seemed a bit disjointed um it was yeah the backline just didn't seem quite balanced i don't know what it is um unfortunately warhaglund again he he's struggling he's been struggling since he's come he's come back and that could be the thing um, that that they're after, uh, mm-hmm. getting him in form, and, and that'll probably tie everyone together. Obviously, the other option is moving Valimsa to 15. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting. Um, yeah, now I think back, like, it was just, there were some good moments, but they kept getting just sort of snaffled.
0: Okay, let's move to just, we're going to review um, all the other games. We'll, we'll just... I think Sean, as if there is something to say, we'll discuss a little bit, like just games that maybe we watched or um, just something to note here. But um, let's just go through them. So, first, Glasgow, uh, let's start with just finish. uh, We'll go through the Champions Cup matches first, I should say. So, we'll start on Friday. Glasgow winning 29 points to 5 to Toulon. We saw from Toulon's team that they selected in this game that they had no interest, even though they had no interest in trying to qualify, even though they did have a chance. And they don't even qualify for um, the Challenge Cup as well. So Glasgow, they go through. They're going to be in the last 16 facing Harlequins. Um, I think, Sean, you said you did have a, a gander this match. Anything you want to say about it?
1: Oh, Carl back. back. Um, probably one of the most yes. important things. Hugh Jones is pretty handy. He's probably starting handy. for
0: Scotland. Sorry, he's probably starting for Scotland because um, Darcy Graham, Graham is injured now.
1: Yeah, and they've just brought in one of their sevens players um yeah. to replace Darcy Graham. So uh, listen, uh, and when when Scotland plays South Africa in the World Cup, the 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 style that they played and how we defended, they needed Carl instead of Darcy Graham. That's what I I felt. So I don't think they'll do badly with, with having Stain there. I mean, he's brilliant. He's excellent, doesn't die with the ball. But he's back. Hugh Jones had a great game. Um and basically revenge from the Challenge Cup final loss last year um, yeah. where Warriors lost to Toulon, so yeah.
0: Yeah, good game. Hupelo two came together. I think this is the first game they've had together in a few weeks, so that, that was also um, interesting there. Okay, Connacht won 27 points to 10 against Bristol. Both teams aren't um, in the Champions Cup. I think Connacht did qualify for the Challenge Cup. We'll talk about that later. Harlequins beating Ulster 47 points to 19 in the other early game on Saturday that was at the same time as the Bulls. Um, I know Louis Lainey scored two tries there. Harlequins doing Harlequins things. Ulster, they look like at at a point, I think, Sean, we were talking about Ulster a few weeks ago, being like, oh, it looks like they're kind of coming together. But last two weekends, they've just been smacked by Harlequins and Toulouse. So they've just been brought down to earth. It's just... They're almost like the most confusing team ever to me, because just as soon as you start to believe in them and you're like, okay, they've got the likes of, you know, the Timini's, the McCloskeys, the Humes, those sort of players. I mean, they've got Steven off now to that list as well. They just don't seem that good to be like in that like elite or near elite level in, in Europe.
1: They they're the Sharks with a few more wins. Um they they are <laughs> That's they're, the epitome, they're the epitome they the epitome of shit good. They I really thought yeah, they had a really didn't have a great start to the season, and then they started coming back. Even in the Champions Cup, they were doing pretty well. And then the last two week weeks, have listen losing last week wasn't the worst thing in the world, but the way they lost this game was wild. They got absolutely obliterated, and it's a kind of performance that Quinns need because they haven't been in great form. Um, Tyron Green's back, playing really well. Louis Line has come back, scored an absolute belter of a try. So yeah, uh, also are are struggling a little bit. There, it'll be hard. To come back from this, but I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they've got a week off, so I don't think there's much U- many URC games on this weekend. Only one, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah. it'll be good for the Ulster lads to to get off, send the boys away to the Irish camp, and um, and pull the rest together.
0: Okay, we move on. Uh, we've talked about the Bulls racing wins forty eight points to twenty six against Cardiff, um, securing their spot in the last sixteen. I think I, I know you did watch this game, Sean.
1: Yeah, um, it was a great win at the end, but. Russing didn't look they they won, but they didn't look smooth, and they haven't this whole season, so it was was a tough one, but still a great win at home, and that's really what they want. Um, so yeah, a big, big win, but probably they could definitely play better.
0: Yeah, I see it says that um, Camille Shah was the man of the match, so that's, you know the man with the biggest neck. He's still only 28, which, which shocks me. I thought he'd be like in his 30s by now. Um, I hear Tristan, Tedder play pretty well.
1: Great game. Tedder and Khaleesi did, did really well. Um, Tedder got his first try. It's his first start at 15 for rushing, Um And yeah, he had a great game. I was very, very happy with, with the way he played. He's, it was almost like a little bit of an announcement game, especially for the South African fans that watched that game, which a lot would have because of Khaleesi's presence. But, um, yeah, Saf brought Tristan Tedder doing the business.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if Arundel's playing 15 regularly for Racing, then, I mean, there is a way for Tedder to be a regular in their first team then. Um, let's move to the next game. Leinster beating Leicester 27 points to 10 at Walford Road. It was, I think, a, a tight competitive game for the first, you know, 30-odd minutes. Leicester had the lead, then Leinster would come back, scored a bit of a dodgy try there. Um, but then in the second half, Le- Leinster just put the put the pedal to the metal. Um, an old favorite of this podcast was, um, and this was pretty much the 20 minutes that I watched or 15 minutes I watched was there's a penalty for Leicester. They're on their 50 meter. Andre Pollard is taking the penalty or is taking the penalty to to kick to touch. Andre unfortunately misses touch. Stop me if you've heard this before. And then from <laughs> him missing touch. Leicester advance the ball back into the Leicester half. Uh Leicester concede a penalty through an intentional knockdown from their from their scrum half. He gets yellow carded. Leicester then puts the ball in the corner, rolling more, try and pretty much game over from there. So yeah, just an unbelievable and unfortunate <laughs> series of events there. We know that Ola does tend at least one time in a in a game, except for the three weeks in the Rugby World Cup in 2023 was there's at least one kick in the, a penalty kick in the game where he tries to go for it, like tries to get an extra 5, 10 meters and RB misses. And yeah, in this Tala, case, it just cost him off. so badly. Hands I, off, bro. I said, We've I let say except off. for the 2023.
1: We've got to have hands off because this is, <laughs> we spoke about it for two to three weeks in the World Cup about telling everyone, listen, just relax because Pollard is prone to making some errors and he's not the total savior and how wrong were we and he came on and dominated for the spring Box. we won the world cup and he makes these mistakes for uh, when he plays domestic so that's fine we have <laughs> hands off he knows his priorities we will no longer slander him anymore
0: <laughs> okay but if you are a leicester tigers fan <laughs> you were warned you were, wanting, <laughs> you were warned and you do one of these mistakes yeah sean i don't know if you had a chance to watch this game i think it's uh, it's funny just seeing some of the commentary about Leinster. I mean, I I'm very much aware they're not playing at their best. It's not like they're at their fifth gear. They have, I think, ten to fifteen minutes where they do get the attack together. They obviously are trying to have a lot more line speed and defense. Joe McCarthy, I think, has just been shown videos of Peter Steph toy the last few weeks by Jacques Ninaba. And every like you know, in the in the multi-phases, he's the one, like, just going to try and absolutely kill a, a fly-half and try to murder them in a tackle. So they are adjusting in that sort of post-World Cup, you know, hangover, new coaching staff. They're about to lose Goodman as well as the attacking coach. But I think they look pretty fine for a team that's in transition. They, there's a lot of people that seem to be going that they look really bad and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's... It's a weird place where, where they are right now.
1: Um, yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry, my man. I didn't. I didn't watch the game. Yeah, but they've been they've been doing well. I don't think they're in a bad space. There's a little probably transition that's happening here and there, but other than that, they've been pretty handy. Um, Leicester Leicester are not shit either. Um, so and it was away from home. I think everyone's also really kind of got their noses out of joint because for the last two seasons, Leinster, the greatest rugby side in the Northern Hemisphere, haven't won a trophy. And everyone's probably trying to kind of sort of reel back a little bit and pull back on the horses to slow them down just to not get carried away. But they got a couple, as normal, a couple of youngsters coming through that are really cooking. Um, so I don't, think, I don't think there's anything to worry about with Leinster just yet.
0: Yeah, no, fair yeah. enough. So we go to their rivals, um, Munster also, um, well, Munster played on Saturday, they lost to Northampton 23 points to 26, Northampton had 14 men on the field for at least, you know, 40 odd minutes of the game, A yeah, and the, 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 the Munster team should definitely be disappointed in losing the game, but they keep also losing players every time they play a match, so you know, fair enough to them. Um, Tom Aaron, I think he came off with a concussion in this game. <laughs> so I think there's two storylines here. Northampton are looking really good. I think they are on a six-odd match winning streak. And Munster just keep, you know, they just have injuries. They just can't really get a, a, a run of form together.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Especially because they were playing against 14 men for like a whole half. Um, that should have they should have dominated but i mean saints going on to score those points at the end of the game is is what kills what kills you off badly um and i don't know what the hassle is there in terms of how they how they are struggling on defense and all of that because they've got a pretty set side but yeah it's oh it's a tough one but i think one of the big things that hurt them is um, kind of Murray were pulled out before kickoff. Now he's the kind of guy you want on the field um, in a tight game like that. So that mm-hmm. could, be, could be one of the reasons. But I mean, they're good enough as a match day 23 to win, win that game against 14 men, definitely.
0: Yeah. Also, big games from um, Courtney Laws, who just I don't know since he said he stopped international rugby. <laughs> he's love that guy. Just gone up a gear. He's been ridiculous. Been in ridiculous form. And Finn Smith, who's also earned himself a call up for uh, for England as well. Like they they seem like to be the the leaders of, of the of the comeback for Northampton. So they played really well. Let's move to Saracens. Leon Saracens winning thirty nine points to twenty four. Um, they quote get themselves through and qualify the last 16 it's finally the more of the saracens that we i think know and love instead of the saracen yeah. that just got absolutely pasted in bordeaux or not
1: I, uh, I tell you owen farrell he i had two of his kicks charged down um made a couple of bad passes he's he's struggling a little bit saracen's Saracen's had to fight their way through to this. That's, that's how I feel. Um, I think something's up with, with Farrell. I, I really do feel that he probably just needs to just get away and go somewhere and just relax again. I think all of this, the stuff that's been happening, there's no ways that all that shit has stopped since he announced his retirement or his temporary retirement from England. There's no ways all that shit has stopped. So mm. I think he's struggling a little bit. I think he needs a bit of a break. And rumors are that he's going to sign for Russing. Which would be which would be great for for everyone, I I feel. Um, but yeah, Saracens, they they got there in the end. Um, they managed to to sort it out, but it's definitely not the Saracens, the big boys that we remember. Hmm.
0: Okay, fair enough. But yeah, they they have the win there. Both Saracens and Leon qualify for the last 16. We go to Sunday's games we start with uh basically there was a knock eff- effectively a knockout game between La Rochelle and Sale to make the last 16 La Rochelle winning 37 points to 24 um in Manchester uh, yeah i think apart from the first few minutes La Rochelle were abs- absolutely dominant in this game they used their scrum as a weapon and poor um uh olatumi on sanya who's a young uh tie uh, that played in the loose head this this week and had the unfortunate privilege of playing against Winnie Antonio and Will Skelton on his side of the scrum. Um he got you know absolutely munched in the scrums. But yeah, LaRochal looking a lot more like the team that we know. No coincidence that they look, you know, a lot better with Greg Aldred playing at eight. Um you've got obviously the big boys that are playing well. Levani Botia still um a a menace Johan Tanga did a pretty decent impersonation of Jonathan Dante, at least when he was called upon. His big tackle on Rob Duprea did create the first try for Dylan to I don't know how many dummies he sold all, all, on the way to yes. the try line. Do
1: you see <laughs> that, that aerial really view bad. where those three players were like sort of tracking in on him and he knew that yeah. he didn't have the legs and he was just like, cool, I'm not going to befuddle them and just like throwing dummies, dumming, looking at other players that weren't in space and then just went. That was brilliant.
0: <laughs> I thought... You know, because both Lates and um, Toma have um, bald heads. So when I saw the person pick up the ball, or yeah, pick up the ball, I thought it was Teddy Thomas. I was like, okay, great, this is a try. I think I was sitting watching with my wife and I was like, okay, there's a try. This guy's really fast. It was like, Teddy Thomas looking really slow. Then I saw, oh man, this is the Lates. <laughs> okay, this makes a lot more sense because if that was Teddy Thomas, that, that was going to be under the post. But yeah, like, Everyone I think everyone's just so confused as to okay, when is he passing? is he passing, and he just never did Sean, I think this is it's gonna i mean La have a very tough road we're gonna talk about in a few moments, but I mean it's looking like it's starting to kick back together now, like the big players are are starting to 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 roll it's it's pretty much close to their strongest fifteen that's playing. They were very wasteful in the first half, but they put the game. Um, to bed in the second half and look this is a decent sale team that have obviously been quite competitive both in Europe and in England
1: yeah I, I was very impressed with Tonga at 12 I, I know he missed a couple of um, a couple of uh, tackles but I thought like to move into 12 uh, in, in a must win game is, is massive um, funny thing I thought TKB was so so on the day I didn't I thought his first half he could have got a lot better but was impressive from La Rochelle and they really put their hand up um and they had to win if they were gonna make it um through the last couple of weeks anyway so they were brilliant but Onesana was onasanya was 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 good I, I don't I thought it could have got a lot worse for him he won a penalty on his own a little way through yeah. um it, it wasn't too bad but the person that stood out for me head and shoulders above anyone was Sam James um another player playing out of position normally yeah. plays 12 but he was cooking. He set up two um, two tries in the in the start of the second half, where both players stepped into touch. He's he was incredible. I was impressed with him. And George Ford was a little off. I know he's just come back from injury, but they needed him to to not not need that game to get to get ready. They needed him to get ready. And the other thing I thought is uh, so big bummer for Johnny Hill, who looks like he's dislocated his knee. I mean, he lasted about eighteen minutes. I think it was. But the thing yeah. for me, I thought Cell were arguing and complaining a lot um, in, uh, in, in the first half or calls that didn't go their way and stuff like that. So I wasn't too happy with that. But yeah, good game all around though.
0: Yeah. A quick mini rant about the Johnny Hill injury. And I think it's something that we need to stop in rugby is the, I don't know what you call it, but when the jumper's just thrown into the air um, to when they, they're contesting um, a line-out. So they're pretty much just thrown up to get as high and as quick as possible. And they're not really... The, the, the lifters don't put them down the ground. They sort of have to find their way on the ground. And that's, I think, part of the reason why Hill got, himself, or got injured in, 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 in the game there because he was launched into the air to compete with, uh, in a LaRachel line-out. LaRachel line was looking a bit dodgy. Um, that's another side story. And then as he landed, he didn't land like on his feet. He sort of slipped a little bit and that's when he did his knee. So he's getting treatment for his knee um, for that as well. So number one, they stopped that line thing. Number two, a bit unfortunate for the ref and for the game, but then the rolling mall pretty much collapsed on Johnny Hill Yeah, as he was getting treatment as well, which was, you know, comedy of errors. I don't, I don't know if that aggravated the injury or not, but it definitely did not help. Um, Benjamin Kaiser said at least that was a good contribution from Hill to stop that rolling more, which was probably not the most, most tasteful thing, but a bit funny. Um, but Ez yeah, is, Ragui- is
1: great on yeah. Um <laughs> But just quickly, tell us, sorry, on, on that when the ref didn't blow up because of that injury, you can understand yeah. why not. It wasn't yeah. a collision. It wasn't a head injury or anything like that. So I reckon they just thought he'd drop down. Obviously, didn't expect it to be as bad as it was, but um, yeah, sheesh, bummer.
0: No, it was pretty unlucky. But my main thing is just we need to... I think rugby needs to stop that um, throwing like the guy you. in the air thing because I, I think it's actually illegal in the laws anyway. You need to support... Sorry, you need to support the jumper as they go up and down. So I think it's just something that the referees just need to look at and stop because it's not safe for the players. Like, in a line-out, especially when it's a rolling mall, you don't... It's... The, the space that a jumper has to land on the ground is not always there. So because of how dynamic a line is and then a mall is formed and you're trying to defend a mall, like it goes from, okay, you're jumping up and coming down to there not being any space so you can land on a foot or whatever the case is. So I think that should be a rule that's looked at in the future personally. Or get, I'm sure or get I nudged think, on yeah, the way on.
1: down. But yes, you know, so this is what I was thinking this weekend. Um, there, you know, there's such a massive um, sort of shutdown of any foul play, a yellow cards, red cards, stuff like that. But what I am wondering is when will a, a, an, a player be carded for something like that? So it's not a foul hmm. play from the opposition team. It's your own teammate that has dropped you. So something not, not, not as bad as that, but for argument's sake, like if a player jumps in the air and one of the guys that is tracking back Pushes, pushes the opposition into the player and he falls badly that yeah. is not that is not the opposition player's fault that's this guy's fault and he knew what he was doing surely like do the laws and do, does that player safety like fall away because it was your own player you know what I mean like what yeah something's got to happen because it's I mean it's dangerous as hell like it's horrendous like getting nudged or getting pushed in we've seen that happen before but never no one's ever really been sort of Reprimanded or carded for it, at least. Mm.
0: No, that's that's really true. I think it's just something that that has to be looked at because, yeah, I think the hill thing is an, is an example of what could happen um, if it's if it's not properly, um, yeah, like refereed, like you said. So last two games, Toulouse winning a pretty tight game against Bath, thirty-one points to nineteen. It was nineteen nineteen for most of the second half, and then Toulouse was able to get away. I think the bigger news in this game is the injuries to Anthony Geelong. He has uh, sadly um, torn the ligaments in his other knee after just coming back um, just before the World Cup from an ACL injury earlier last year. So that's desperate. Um, Seems like Manny Miafu also got injured and he's a doubt now for at least the first Six Nations game. So there are a few injuries for Toulouse. Another Toulouse player gets called up for France as well. Hugo Mola must be absolutely wanting to like beat people up right now um but to lose i think to show their class in this game and winning it in the end um but i think bath would be almost yeah morally if you want to put it like that or they'll take a lot from this game that they were able to stay with to lose for for the majority of the game
1: yeah what a comeback Uh, also sorry what a what a shit choice of words what a what a performance they were up against the big boys the big boys sent their big boys um and uh, they held on for a long time. I mean, it was nineteen all for large periods of the game. Um, yeah, I, I feel for Bath. They could really have done something if they had beaten Toulouse. It would have absolutely caused chaos in the rugby world <laughs> because of where Bath have come from. <clears throat> um, so yeah, incredible game. Um, definitely one. I, I looked at that game at, uh, last week, and I thought, shit, that's something I definitely want to watch. I think Bath are up for it. Um, but I didn't expect it to be like that. What a what a performance from from the Bath guys.
0: Yeah, loved Bath playing um, Lawrence and, and Ojomo in the same center pairing because I think Toulouse just was not sure who's going to run at 12, who's going to run at 13. So um, Bath was switching them up around a lot and um, Lawrence scores a really good try just taking a very direct 12 line, just pretty much running over uh, Thomas Ramos and Peter Aki and he did really well to score there.
1: So. But they used that move like four times after that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I was like, okay, I think Toulouse now knows that only Lawrence is a bit of a threat. So, you know, the second or third time I was like, okay, you you can stop now. Um, But what I like about Bath as well, very quick note is, I think they don't, like what Scotland does and what I think other Finn Russell teams do is that they play around Finn Russell. Obviously, he's a very talented player. But I think what Bath does a lot is they still trust their nine to be the playmaker. So Ben Spencer, I think, there's a lot of things that he initiates and he starts, and he is as much a playmaker or even more of a playmaker in most phases than Finn Russell is, which I think is almost a good thing because you then leaving Finn to be a, almost a, like a surprise threat that can come out in later phases when the opportunity's on. So, you know, I think Johan van Khan. I think you guys talked about it last week as well, but yeah, a lot of credit that can be thrown at him for just how good Bath are looking at the moment.
1: Yeah, actually, a friend of mine is a Bath supporter, and we chat a lot. Um, he, I was just saying to him that Spencer is running things, and he has done so a lot this season, and it's actually brilliant from Panikrane to to sort that to sort it out that way because with Spencer running things, you always want to be watching Finn Russell, but with Spencer in the mix, you have to stay focused on him. So he runs mm. things, and then Finn gets to play, in, in most of the time in in open, in open, broken, broken field, broken defense. So that's his bread and butter. Yeah. So Spencer's been incredible, and I'm glad he's fit. But I think the balance they've got there, that nine ten is is brilliant for Bath, and probably one of the big reasons why they're doing so well.
0: Yeah. No, they've very dangerous back line and we'll talk about the draw and they've got a i think a pretty decent um road to get themselves quite far in the tournament last game of the weekend in the champions cup was Bayonne winning against exeter 40 points to 17 big win for Bayonne. yeah i think there'll be a bit of a threat in the challenge cup uh, knockouts uh sean let's go to the challenge cup very quickly i think we both watched the sharks game so we can spend a few minutes on that um but just it's going your results <laughs> 30 seconds on that then. But just going through the other results, Gloucester winning quite big against Cast. Edinburgh beating uh, Scarlets away from home. Uh, Blackline, they end their um, participation in the competition. Pretty good run for Blackline, all things considered. They got the win against Scarlets. Performed, I think, decently, at least in one of the other games. But yeah, uh, minus 44 in their points difference. Not too bad, I think, for a first try. But they um, got beaten by Clement, who looks very strong in this competition. Powell just edging out Zebra, and I think that meant Zebra wasn't able to. Oh, they did qualify for the last sixteen, but yeah, it it so Zebra was able to do just enough. Oyana was able to beat the Cheetahs, twenty eight points to twenty seven. I think a big credit to the Cheetahs for making it that close. Um, yeah, I think Oyana's a pretty, you know, obviously they're not they're they're near the bottom. I think of the French uh, competition, but yeah, Cheetahs doing that away from home is a big credit to them. Benetton beating Montpellier, uh, Newcastle winning over Perpignan. Ospreys um beat the Lions away from home. Bit of a chaotic game, just looking at the highlights and looking at the comments of obviously our, almost like a, we can call my a Lions correspondent at this stage, um, Rian Lowe. Uh, you know, we obviously talk about how great Ringo is as a follower on Twitter. But yeah, Lions played, I think, a little bit of a mix of a like of a team. They're not necessarily all their first team players, but yeah, Ospreys gave as good as they got. They Scored some good tries. They were able to take advantage, even though they had one less man um, in, in, the, in the game as well at, at some stages. So, yeah, a big win for Ospreys away from home. And then the Sharks did pretty well to win 29 points to nine against the Dragons. The first 30 minutes was probably the worst rugby I've seen in a while then they sort of got themselves together. They started, you know, the carries started to get going. They started to take advantage in the set piece. They started to get some forward momentum and then took took their opportunities. But yeah, I mean, Sean, sure, we don't need to repeat the two or three things we usually say about the Sharks every week now. But they, if they can just focus on almost, I think they almost need to go you know, you know when a, a team is struggling, you go almost super defensive and super set like you make your game plan as simple as possible. I think it's it's gone to that stage now where they need to just go, let's just be really good at kick chase and at collisions and at set piece. Anything else is a is a bonus. Uh,
1: yeah, it's uh, it's just almost like the sharks were lucky to win twenty nine nine away from You're very lucky no that's very true um and that's it's frustrating man it is frustrating as hell and it all started off with in the beginning I can't, re- I can't remember what happened i think there was a grabber ahead by by dragons then the sharks got it and hoofed it downtown because there yeah. was no one there then bosh and fussy were chasing <laughs> oh, and somehow there was two of them right on him and he beat them. Like everyone's blaming Bosch. <laughs> Bosch was got hands on, but I don't know. I don't know how it happened. Now, I'm just sitting there looking at this going, Here we go again. And then he went all the way to score and oh that's right. He he kicked it ahead. That is right. He waxed it ahead, beats thousands of people to the ball and then doesn't ground it by by the grace of the TMO, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I mean you, you wouldn't argue if that was it? given it. Yeah, you, we don't argue if that was given was given as, as a try. And if, if that happened, if that was scored, the Sharks would have lost. That's that's where they are on the swing. They're on that swing and they're like, oh, does this happen? Okay, cool, they're going to lose by plenty. Or does this happen? We might win. Um, so yeah, it's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. We've been saying it for too long. So copy, paste.
0: <laughs> copy, paste. You can listen to all of our other podcasts about that. Okay. Sean, sure, Let's get to the. We now have the draw. We know what the road is for all of the um, teams in the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. So let's look at that. So in the Champions Cup, we've got our our sixteen teams. I'm just trying to get the the draw so that I can just go through the the, the bracket. And sure, maybe we can just start discussing what. Yeah, who who who's happy about how the bracket looks? Who's <laughs> is pissed off with how the bracket looks. So, on one side of the bracket, you have um, Toulouse hosting Racing. Um, so, Racing will be going, taking a very short trip um, to Toulouse, playing them. Pretty, uh, obviously, a big superstar-laden game there. Then, Exeter, on the same side, is facing Bath. They're hosting Bath um, in the 8 versus 9 game. So, the winner of that then faces the winner of Toulouse versus Racing. Then, you have Harlequins facing Glasgow in the london and bordeaux is facing saracens one of the many repeat games that are happening in, in the last 16 so bordeaux is hosting saracens there so that's the one side of the draw i think that side of the draw sean is a lot <laughs> is a lot easier to navigate than the other side to lose in bordeaux are pretty you know they, they they're pretty much fancy their chances to go far um to the semi-finals but the english teams as well I think there's a chance for them to to, to to go far and obviously they have to pull off a surprise or two, but you know that that's a pretty nice draw for those eight teams. All eight teams will feel like, oh, you know, we could we could we could make a run here.
1: Yeah. It's I don't know whether I should moan now or moan later about the about the draw, but
0: <laughs> you can save it a oh, little but... bit.
1: Okay. Yeah, great side of the draw. Next. <laughs>
0: Next. <laughs> Let's talk about this and then then we can start the moaning. On the other side of the draw, we have Leinster facing Leicester Tigers. Again, another repeat of a game that happened in the group stages.
1: What happened of That
0: game... Well, it happened literally the Saturday. Yes, you're right. The win of that game faces the Stormers versus La Rochelle. And actually, I didn't even notice this until now. All four of those sides that are in the same bracket were all in the same group. So no. these four teams are going to... like we. More than likely, we'll have a game that has happened in the group stage that will happen in the quarterfinal because these four teams all face each other um, in the group stages. They're the four qualifiers from that particular group. Like, okay, now's the time to rant. How in the world is a competition? How how, how do you take a competition seriously where you have four teams that qualify from a group of six? That's obviously already a, a, a bad thing. But those four teams are all pretty much going to face each other in the last 16 and in the quarterfinals. That's actually really ridiculous.
1: No, it's shit. Like, we spoke a little bit off air and you told me about how we tried to, getting, tried to get away from the Super Rugby setup and how it wasn't working. We've basically gone to copy and paste when it comes to the Champions Cup. The URC was like that for a little bit as well. Um, but the, the thing is, is the EPCR are desperately looking for a format that will make this competition amazing and elite. And all they have to do is look through their own records and go back in time (laughs) and just do that. Where they had, it was like, if you lost a home game, then you'd probably not play in the knockout. It was cutthroat, it was big. If you went on to win that competition, you would have won like four or five games in a row because you had to. Where this is average, man. Um, Yeah. you. I Didn't La Rochelle just win their last two games? Granted, I think they got bonus points out of both, but they Mm -hmm. lost their opening two. They were on their way out. Saracens were on their way out. Um, And yeah, they're in. And not only are they in on on an average performance, like bang on average, they're playing against each other again. People, like in their own groups. It's wild, man. (laughs) Wild.
0: Yeah, I... (laughs) Yeah, I was saying before we started recording, Sean, that rugby has a special talent of coming up with bad tournament formats. Like you just mentioned, now Super Rugby, we had ten years of complaining about the, the conferences and the wild cards, and you know, play, teams not playing each other and all that sort of stuff. And with European rugby, the last you know eight or so years since um, EPCR started running it, they've just turned what. A Heineken Cup, obviously, format, which was pretty perfect, was high stakes, you know, like you had all of the jeopardy of... Obviously, you know, some teams didn't take it seriously, but the teams that took it seriously was you slip up, you have big consequences, and you're out. To now something where I guess this is... I don't even know, Sean. Is this better than last year's one? At least you don't have those two pools of teams, and you don't even play all the teams in the pool, and all that sort of crazy stuff. But but you still have a situation where four teams from pool i think it was pool c are all in the same side of the bracket like this doesn't make sense it's not the best format they should have done it on a group winners or you know they're the ones that host the 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 games and they ranked like you know you have the group winners and you have the second places the third place the fourth places and you Match up the brackets like you do in the Rugby World Cup. I think that would have made a lot more sense than this because, because you do this like new ranking based on where the teams finished. Now you have these these um situations where you have five repeat games. You have Toulouse and Racing who are actually in the same group but didn't play each other because of the rule that you don't play a team from the same competition. Yeah, that's that's not that's not a good format. Like that doesn't inspire you know, a good competition with regards to, okay, you're seeing teams play each other for the first time or teams that don't usually play each other play again. The only relatively unique game here is Harlequin's Glasgow, which is, I think, the first time those two teams are facing each other. Every other game is a game that either has happened in this competition or is a game that happens in their own home competition. So, yeah, it's something that needs to be looked at um, for the future. They
1: would have done better if they did a draw out of a hat, like (laughs) literally it would have been better and, and you could have done it and everyone would be like, Oh, you know, like the system, like as like fate would have it up. These guys are playing each other, but it's not done that way. This, these fixtures are set up by a competition system. And because the competition, each pool allows four teams to go through. You have this, it's ridiculous. Like it's chaos and it's, it's just shit, man. Like it's, a round of sixteen, that's just not really fun anymore. Ever, actually. Yes.
0: So basically what this means is that um, the four, there's one one of Leinster, Leicester, Stormers, and La Rochelle making it to the semifinals, which is absolutely wild because three of those four teams, and even Leicester, you can argue, are probably in the top five, six, seven, eight teams in in, in, in Europe at the moment. Then at the the final um quarter of the of the draw is Northampton are facing Munster again um so that game is happening i had a lot of Northampton fans on my mentions when i said oh, I, I actually fancy Munster to win this if they have all their players fit which is fun and then the bulls are hosting Lyon, again a game that has happened before at least this one is happening in pretoria this time but yeah the bulls um are hosting a, a home game here so yeah clearly the winners here are Toulouse and Bordeaux who have a much easier road than Leinster and La Rochelle. Leinster might have to face La Rochelle in the quarterfinals this time. The Stormers, their reward for, you know, being hosting a, a last 16 games that they host the champions, which is fun. Um scary. You know, the Bull, yeah, it's a, it's a very scary prospect. The Bulls actually have a pretty decent draw here because if Munster is able to do them a favor, they can host a quarterfinal. There is a road for, the, you know, the, it's a so you can you can, you can can believe that they can actually make a semi-final because of how the draw set up. So there is, there's, there's teams that are pretty happy with this, but if you're Leinster, La Rochelle, and the Stormers, you must be absolutely pissed off that you went through the hardest group and your reward for way making through the hardest group is you go through that group again, essentially, to make make it to the semi-final.
1: Crazy. Um, I was just thinking, imagine La Rochelle knock Leinster out in the quarterfinals. Semifinal. I think Leo Cullen would... Semi-fold. Well, quarter finals, actually. Know. Yeah. Quarters, yes.
0: But yeah, I think Leo Cullen would, would actually walk off and quit rugby. <laughs> Where would that be played?
1: Him. That would in be Dublin. played at, in Dublin, yeah, because the, uh, yeah, that's, that would be big. That would be massive. Um, yeah. La Rochelle, imagine. Imagine. Oh, well, enough yeah. of that. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this cuck. Do you want to do
0: some very early and will probably be wrong predictions or not so much?
1: (laughs) Go for it. Quick ones, I'm in. Okay.
0: Very quick. We put out all the caveats. Obviously, this has been played in April. We know there's going to be a 1,000 injuries from the Six Nations. We know that teams are going to change and form is going to change and all that sort of stuff. These are just as we see it right now. Okay. Toulouse versus Racing?
1: Toulouse, but your Racing Racing could just spike it, but Toulouse.
0: Yeah. It, depending, I think it sounds like Dupont actually is available for at least some of these knockout games. They'll make um, a plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if Dupont is available, they definitely to lose. But if he's not, it's a bit more on the balance. But I expect Racing to falter the stage of a competition against the serious side. So unfortunately, still to lose. Exeter Bath is very interesting. What do you think, Sean? Bath. Yeah. But shoot. Sheesh Exa looks good. Uh, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be too surprised if they win it, if they win themselves. We've yeah, Slater's in great form. We've talked about Faye Waboso earlier as well. Like they've got a really good young team there, but I would say Bath. Harlequins, Glasgow.
1: Oof. That's at the stoop, eh? Yep. Okay, Quins.
0: Yeah, I think that that goes to Harlequins as well. And then Bordeaux Cyrus since part two
1: uh in france yep sure this is gonna burn me but i think bordeaux take it
0: yeah yeah i think i think Saracens. then yeah i think they almost put their eggs into winning the premiership um once the season restarts after the six nations okay other side of the bracket leinster versus leicester tigers leicester did you say leicester tigers
1: yes oh wow (laughs)
0: Oh, I think wow, they, I think okay.
1: I think they're good enough. I think they're good enough to do it. And mm. I think this weekend, I'm I, I love the uh, competitive teams. When one loses to another one, the next time if it's an important one, I, I think it flips. Mm. So I go to Leicester.
0: Okay, that's very interesting. I would still go with 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 um, Leicester winning that one. But
1: you in the whole yeah, world, I mean, my Tigers- man. So don't worry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Tigers didn't have all of their first choice players on Saturday. Like they've played leinster a lot of times so yeah they might have something that they can figure out there okay stormers larachelle in cape town
1: Oof, <clears throat> i'm all about not making friends but i i do think larachelle take it
0: yeah me too i think it was too close to call in the first game it's yeah i don't know if stormers if the luck runs out if they play a second time unfortunately then Northampton versus Munster. I did like I said earlier, I said Munster on, 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 on Twitter and people had a right go at me. Um, just saying that they like played this Munster weekend
1: was... as well. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> please see the last five minutes of our of our podcast. But yeah, I think if I mean sneeman's supposed to be back, you know, the likes of orange should be back. If if Burn and Omani make it through the Six Nations unscathed and they have those four players in the team. I'm going for Mun- I'm going for that Munster that went through the URC and playing all, you know, all 20 of their games away and winning the competition in the end.
1: I'm with you. I think Munster win it. I, I was actually gonna say that's probably the game of the weekend. Um, but maybe not. I actually think Munster might win it comfortably. Um, they mm-hmm. didn't have a good week, but they'll they'll change it. They'll change it up nicely.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah I'm sure all the Northampton fans that now think their team is the best thing in the world will will come for us. and then finally, Bulls versus Leon in Pretoria
1: yeah, bulls if it was if it was in France, I might have might have swung, but Bulls at yeah. home
0: okay final, what do you think the final will be?
1: oh shit i don't even I don't even know the drama man. Um, I reckon <laughs> I reckon. I reckon. La- okay, I'm gonna go with semi-finals. La and okay. Bulls will play in a semi-final. Ooh. Um, and the other side, Bath, and I don't know. I don't know. Leicester. Okay. Is that on that side? I don't even know. I'm sorry. I don't uh, have it. No, unfortunately
0: not. But yeah. Well, Larchel. I can tell you, and Bulls can be a semi-final. Um, I, I oh, think Bordeaux, the Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Yes. Sorry. So the favorites Bordeaux on are in the, the other mix. side. Yeah. So if both is to win a semifinal, they have to probably go through to lose um, oh, shit. which I mean, based on this the game this week isn't too like isn't the most ridiculous something um, to, to to happen there. um but yeah, i'd i yeah, I would go I think Leinster actually is the team that makes it through that <laughs> horrible road i I can see things happening for them. I can see also them laying down their. The Lara La Rochelle curse um, if they face in the quarterfinal but I like the Bulls call in the quarterfinal I think it's dependent on Munster winning I don't think the Bulls will win their quarterfinal if they have to travel to Northampton but we'll uh, go yeah. to those things at a later stage very quickly um, to finish off the last 16 for the Challenge Cup is we have the Sharks um, the South African Sharks because there's two Sharks in this competition the Sharks are facing Zebra um, and Durban. Sharks Okay, fair enough. Um, Gloucester, sorry, this thing is a link to you, Oh, man, it, it links to YouTube. Okay. This, okay, so I've just talked about Shocks with Zebre. Zebra. Edinburgh is facing Bayon in Scotland.
1: Oof. Bayon.
0: I, I think Edinburgh sneaks it, but I, I, I hear you in Bayon. Okay, Montpellier versus Ulster. I'm going Ulster. Oh.
1: You're. Montpellier.
0: Yeah, I think the only reasons that I think Montpellier is going to have to be focused on reviving their top 14 form because they look like they could be relegated. Um, Then it's Clermont versus the Cheetahs. In Clermont, I would go for Clermont because I think I would make them my favorite to win the competition, actually.
1: Yeah, I'm with you.
0: Okay, other side, Gloucester versus Cusch.
1: Oh, that's a tough one. But Gloucester are are in good form at the moment. And because it's not in France.
0: Fair enough. Okay,
1: Ospreys versus the Sale Sharks. Sale. Well, yeah. it all depends on what Sale wanna do. Because if Sale are gonna mm. are gonna gun for the premiership, which they probably will be doing, they might they might give this one up. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Sale for now.
0: Yeah, I think for sale, this it's a it's a, it's a pretty, not easy, but like it's a very doable road to get to the final here. So I would throw, the, throw your eggs into this basket. Then the last two games, you have um, Benetton versus the Lions um, in Italy. Benetton? Tough one, but I think, yeah, I also think Benetton does it. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions are able to sneak one there. But Benetton looks really good um, in the last few months. Then finally, Powell versus Connacht. Oof. In France, Connacht. I, oof, I think I'm gonna go Powell, but yeah, yeah. My, if I'm predicting a final, I think it's Clermont Sale Sharks. Uh, Yo, that'll Clermont, be a
1: belta, eh?
0: It'll be a very good one, but yeah, hopefully Benetton makes it. But yeah, I think there might be a Benetton Shark semi. Oh, Sale Shark semi-final for the. Durban Sharks, I think they have a very good chance of getting themselves to a semi-final. They, they're the number one seed, so they actually have no real excuse. They can at least get themselves to a semi-final. I'm not sure what the rule is about the second teams that they can host a semi-final. I don't know if that's been changed from last season because last season we couldn't host a semi-final.
1: I don't think it's allowed this season, but I think it's Champions Cup. And I didn't know about Challenge Champions oh. Cup, but I assume it will roll over to the same.
0: Yeah. So for the Sharks... There's a, I mean, if they can get themselves together, a good chance for them to actually go far in this competition. Okay, Sean, I think we can end this there. A very good comprehensive look at the last weekend of the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. We've looked at um, the, the last 16 and how that looks as well. We've made a few picks as well. We, Yeah, we're probably going to be wrong in most of them. In any case, who, who cares? But <laughs> we'll see what we know and what we don't know. But yeah, I think we've set up for good, for some great uh, great clashes to, 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 to look forward to in April after the, after all the Six Nations and the domestic stuff happens. So yeah, really good time to, to, to watch rugby now. So next few weeks of rugby are going to be just the domestic competitions just winding down up, uh, as the Six Nations get started up. So we'll probably start shifting our focus to the Six Nations. There is a big South African derby happening on Saturday, though. The Bulls are hosting the Lions in Pretoria. Big game, I think, because I think the Lions are in decent form as well. But, yeah, obviously the Bulls should be favorite. So, yeah, as, that, as the domestic stuff starts winding down, we'll then start to focus on big Six Nations that's about to take place from the first weekend of February. So, yeah, a lot of look, a lot of things to look forward to. And thank you for joining us for this weekend, uh, well, for this week's edition of the Rugby bits podcast. Please follow us on our social media channels. Please follow us on your preferred podcast platform. And we hope to see you in the next pod. Sean, final
1: words? Massive shout out to Driggers Duplessis. Um, oh, yes, I, yeah. don't watch, I don't watch combat sports. I never have. I I watched on Sunday. Um, and I was flipping over the moon. What an incredible thing. But that's still, still not my game. But I'll totally watch when he fights again. But yeah, a massive shot. And to translate to everyone, he always says, he says, they don't know what we know. And then after he won, he says, now you know what we know. So I, yeah, I what an unbelievable if, performance.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, Sean, I still don't think I know what he knows or what we're supposed to know. Like, yeah, I, I, I probably missed the memo on what we don't know or what it's, we know. But yeah, you can,
1: it's, totally, you can it's totally about being South African, I, I reckon. It's totally <laughs> about us being us. And you just don't know what you're getting with us. But we know what you're getting. Um, I
0: mean, that that applies, I think, to Drickers. That applies to our rugby, our Springboks. Everyone and probably applies to the Sharks as well.
1: It's fair yeah, enough. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm Video. so pumped for that. Like, I couldn't believe it. First fight I've ever watched. Um. So yeah, well done to Drickus. Hey, what a machine. Mm.
0: Shout out to Drickus. and also very quick shout out to Cooks, who got himself a new laptop. So he should be. Able He's busy to setting up at without... the moment.
1: We are so excited for next week. <laughs>
0: So yeah, next week we'll have a big quality um, podcast to look forward to. Thanks everyone, bye. Thank you, bye.